You're listening to Agency Dealmasters, brought to you by Bridge. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Pete Hendrick is the co-founder and managing director at Octopus Group, only one of Publicis' latest acquisitions into their network, who are, by the way, flexing their B2B muscles right now with the acquisition of Octopus. As you know, they've got some just amazing creative agencies within their group already. You may have heard of Leo Burnett, Digitas, Zenith, Starcom, just, just go down the list of some really fantastic agencies. And now Octopus have been added to that group really to kind of strengthen and deepen their tentacles in B2B. And we discuss everything from co-founding the company almost 20 years ago and their slow and then almost sudden kind of uh, massive growth over the last few years. That's down to, in no small part, the growth of B2B, yes, but also some really smart strategic decisions that they've made as well. We talk about delivering for clients like Visa and Siemens, BT, Rolls-Royce, just some amazing brand names. We discuss why B2B marketing is so hot right now and what Publicis's long-term plan is within the space. He still thinks there's a huge amount of scope within B2B. It's still really immature right now and there's, and there's a whole lot more that can be done, which is super exciting. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you're absolutely going to love the conversation. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Pete Hendrick. My name is Nathan Anibaba, and this is Agency Dealmasters. Agency Dealmasters is a series of conversations with world-class agency leaders building great agency businesses. I believe everyone belongs in the growth journey, and this show is dedicated to the stories and the lessons of ambitious agency builders of all types by examining their history, competitive advantage, and what makes them tick. Now, let's jump in. Pete Hendrick is the managing director at Octopus Group, the brand to sales agency, a B2B agency making their clients famous and growing their sales. Over a 20 year career with the agency, he has helped build Octopus into a powerhouse B2B agency with clients like Visa, BT, Siemens, Rolls-Royce, and Logitech, just to name a few. Octopus were recently acquired by Publicis. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Pete Hendrick, welcome to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you very much, Nathan. I've been looking forward to this. And also thank you for building Octopus as a powerhouse. That's very much appreciated. Well, it's true. Like, we don't have any inaccuracies on this show, as you, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's start with your background in history because it's a really fascinating one. You get your degree from Leeds Met in 1994 and you got a degree in, in PR at the time. Mm. And you thought about becoming a journalist. Why switch from journalism to a career in marketing? Good question. Gosh, it's so long ago now. Long, long ago now, you know that the memories are are somewhat blurry. But you know, I, w- I was looking at options at the time um, when I was thinking what I was going to do for further education. It was actually a, a decision about whether I went into further education because I was I was considering becoming a policeman or even a builder at the time because I did quite a lot of work with my dad, who was a, a builder. You know, just kind of. Uh, lugging bricks around, but helping him, you know, build houses and and refurbish places. And I found it fascinating, you know, mm. when I was a young boy, he used to drive around the town where I grew up, Southport, and say, you know, I built that house, I built that wall, I did that work. And it, there was something so cool. I really cool. liked about that, you know. Very tangible. Uh, it's very tangible, you know, the stuff that he did, hopefully most of it, 
40, 50, 60 years ago is, is still around. But anyway, I decided in the end to go into, into, to go to university because nobody on, on both of my sides of the, of, of the, of the family, both mum and dads had really done university uh, before. Um, but to, specifically to your question, I looked at uh, journalism as a, as a degree and I looked at advertising as a, as a degree, you know, what felt like two sides of, of the coin, almost two ends of, of the spectrum in terms of, public communication and, you know, stakeholder management and, and, and all that kind of thing. And then I spotted public relations and, and it was, it was a new, you know, thing to me. The course was only a year old when I, when I joined it. And it just seemed like the perfect compromise, the perfect middle ground of, you know, writing and, and editorial interests with the creativity that I perceived with advertising. So that's why I chose to do it. And, you know, that's how I ended up meeting my one of my two business partners, Billy Hamilton Sent. We met on the course uh, at Leeds, uh, Leeds Met, actually. Uh, so I'm really pleased that I that I did it. That's that's incredible. So let's so let's start there then, because you've gone on an amazing 20 year journey with Octopus. Mm. I'm sure there have been so many ups and downs and bumps in the road. So many war stories that, that you can tell. Tell us how the agency came about. Mm-hmm. And then outline for us the major milestones that have gotten us to where we are today. Yeah, so the agency came about in 2001, where three blokes from Byte decided to do their, their own things, Billy, John and, and Sandy. Um, S- Sandy's uh, since left the business to, to do something separate with a with a healthy living platform that he's developing that is going to be really interesting. But just to set up a, a PR agency, I, I joined a couple of years in when there was about six or seven of them, something like that. Um, because I fancied a new challenge, you know, Billy reached out to me um, because they just felt they needed some more skills in in the business. And it's gone on from there, you know, in terms of of milestones, I was thinking about this before we we spoke and I had to reduce, you know, the list down from about 35 to to, (laughs) to four or five. Um, Well, there was commercial milestones of, you know, when we hit our first million pounds in fees and then three million and then five million, you know, they really felt like big things to us. You know, mm. um, we, we never expected, we never looked beyond going past, you know, two million because it just seemed so far off. So each time we had to kind of, you know, pinch ourselves to make sure it was, it was all real. So there were, there's definite commercial milestones I, I remember. Um, in, in terms of the journey that's got us to here, you know, being, a well-recognized, and I think it's fair to say, well-respected, you know, full-service digital marketing agency. There's probably three or four things that that, that I'd like to talk about. The first is our development of, of brand to sales. Um, we, we made a conscious decision about 10 years ago to transition from a B2B PR agency that had a research arm in, in, in Loud House because we just felt that um, the, the, um, the objectivity of, of our um, consultancy to clients, and then subsequently our ability to to deliver campaigns was was ultimately affected by the fact that our 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 offering was quite limited. You know, it's a bit like turkeys voting for Christmas. If you if you just do media relations and PR, then of course what a client should do with their budget is you know PR, media right? relations and PR, right? Exactly, exactly. And 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 we also felt a little bit exposed. We thought the market the market's going to be moving on into a more consolidated view. More and more clients were saying, we love what you're doing for us with PR. You know, could you build us a website, you know, or could you look at our brand? And we were always gutted to say, we kind of just do this. So that's why we decided to look at our proposition and look at our service set and just decide to become something very different. 
I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later on. But so the development of, of brand sales, which is a proposition that people love, they really they really get it, and we've structured our agency um, uh, uh, beneath brand sales as our proposition: how we deliver clients, uh, campaigns rather, um, how we uh, the, the the various um, specialist units we've set up, our view on the world in terms of the strategy that we deliver for clients. Everything is organised by brand sales. So. That, that was huge, and th- and that's taken us to, to where we are today. And I think it's still a differentiator for us. You know, many more of our competitors have kind of followed suit with the, uh, with a version of what I feel is brand sales. But, uh, you know, we really were one of the first in the market to do that. So many interesting things that you've um, that you've mentioned there. I want to touch on a couple of them. Mm. The first really is, is that drive to add, increase your service offerings, but it seems as though that has been led by your clients coming back to you and saying, hey, we love what you're doing here. We really need this. Can you do this? And there's one school of thought to say for agencies, stick to your knitting, do one thing well, specialize, and and just become the best in the world at that. Whereas, although obviously there's another school of of thought, which is actually let's go where the market is going and let's be led by our clients. If if our client wants a service offering, how do we develop skills and capabilities in in those areas? And it seems as though you've you've done the latter. Do you have a perspective on on which one is better and 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 kind of why you went down that route over specialising in a particular core area? Yeah, I do have a view. You know, we're very open about the fact that transitioning from a PR and research specialist into a full-service marketing agency took about three times longer than we expected to. You know, we were really amongst the board members. We were kind of doing it alongside our day jobs of delivering client campaigns, catering for new business inquiries, building and, and driving an amazing culture. And 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 so um, we just, what we expected to be maybe a 18-month journey genuinely took us about four or five years until it was fully baked and you know and and, and working well so we were aware it was a risk and it was a disruption to the market uh, to, to, to our business without a doubt but you know with any opportunity that that really offers a major upside has to have an element of risk to it right that's the nature of it um we decided to do it just because i think if it there were there were what five of us around the table. Each of us had different perspectives on the world. None of us really wanted to run lifestyle businesses where you know we were happy at this level of commercial delivery. We were all interested to learn new things and and evolve our brand in the market. And so we, we just had ambitions. You know, we were we were young and had loads of energy. We we still have loads of energy, even though we're a bit older now. <laughs> I, I I must caveat that straight away. Maybe. Um, but. I think it's perfectly valid. It depends on on the agency owner or owners and what they want to do. If they have a perfectly good business and they know it has longevity and it's sustainable, and you know it pays the mortgage, and that's the, what they, they want to stick rather than twist, that's totally fair enough. There's there's nothing wrong with that, and I'll never criticise that. But we had a very different perspective, and I've and you know we've all learned so much mostly by some of the naive mistakes that we made because you know guess what when you're not a specialist in 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 digital it's really hard to hire a great you know head of digital or or a developer it's just much harder than interviewing people for senior really important roles whose skills you understand and and you have so there was lots of of challenges that we didn't expect but you know now we've learned the lessons and and we're you know we're fuller um, professionals because of it so i'm really i'm really pleased we took to take we chose to take the red pill rather than the blue pill you know 
<laughs> so going down the, going down that rabbit hole, you say, quote, as soon as you can afford it, get a non-exec director. Explain. Yeah. So, so um, you know, when you're running your own agency, and we were all in our um, late 20s when we were doing this, right at the outset, very early 30s, a lot of the stuff we were doing, we were doing it for the first time, you know, setting up a second office or spinning up a a competitive brand in order to cater for for brands that wanted to come and work with us, but we were already working with one of the competitors or, or hiring new skills or, or, or um, you know, working out commercially what matters amongst the, you know, 20 different KPIs that you can measure your growth with as either an agency, but more broadly as a, a business. There's so many things with running a business that you need to make decisions on, you know. Um, and so, we grew a great business, don't get me wrong, but we made a ton of mistakes, most of them minor along the way. Um, what, what we, we In the end, we decided to to bring in a non-exec director and Ned, a chap called John Farrell, who I would, I'm not sure how much um, space he has for any more clients out there to anyone listening who's looking for a Ned, um, but he's always in high demand because he's a, he's great at what he does, but um, I, I'd really recommend him. Um and so we decided to get a non-exec director, just just somebody with more experience than us that had maybe been there, done that, just to advise us on things, you know, because we were we knew that we had some decisions coming up in terms of how we were transitioning the business. And we thought someone that had that prior experience might just help us make the right decisions. Um and really it couldn't have gone have gone better. You know, one of the first things that that John did was um was asked us to to submit our you know 10, 10 12 top priorities and in the first meeting that, that we had with him he just spent an hour t- talking about why 75% of them didn't really matter he you know he he congratulating us for being so obsessive with the detail but but the conversation was essentially you know guys you've got your heads in, head in the weeds all this stuff will come get these two or three priorities right and you'll you'll find that the rest all comes good as a result of getting the, getting these things right. So he just he just immediately helped us focus on the right the right parts of the business, the things to the things to to get right, structure our thinking in in the correct way, and just kind of held our hand through through some um, really interesting times. So yeah, my advice to anyone running an agency that that can afford it, and it doesn't need to to cost the earth. It is. Um, you know, assuming that you don't know everything, um, some, someone Which most people don't exactly um, get a Ned. It will speed up you letting go of things that don't matter, and it will also make sure that you get to the things that do far, far quicker if you choose the right Ned. Which thankfully um, we did. So again, if John's listening, thank you, John. We appreciate it. Mm, really interesting. Just someone to come in and go. Don't focus on those things. Focus on this and do it really well. And that clarity is just so important because there are so many things that you could do and so many things that you can do, but mm-hmm. focusing on the most important thing that's gonna get the biggest bang bang for your time and, and money, it's just, it's invaluable. Exactly, exactly. And the way that John worked was, you know, he, he not only gave us that advice right at the outset and set us off on the right path and more importantly, prevented us from going down, you know, these distractions. But then, you know, he he would attend monthly meetings. He'd take a view on our month-on-month performance. And so he would be, you know, iteratively listening to our reflections on what had gone on that month and what was important for the coming month. And, and just, you know, feeding back to us towards the end of each session saying, you know, you said this, why did you say that? And so really just kind of course correcting for us and helping us learn on the job as well. It wasn't like a light touch 
you know, come and see us t- tw- twice a year. Uh, there was a real cadence right. to it. So holding your feet to the fire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So he made us make the right decisions, but we also learned a lot from him over over the course of I think three or four years, uh, actually. So yeah, great experience. Agency Deal Masters is brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency. We help ambitious agencies talk to the right brands through the power of podcasting. Generate leads, win new business, and increase reputation. Check out our clients' podcasts and find more resources to keep learning at bridgegrowth.org. Now, back to the show. So let's talk about the state of B2B marketing today. We produce a ton of podcasts for B2B marketing agencies, agencies specializing in brand building to demand gen and everything in between. And we're learning so much just from like CMOs and senior marketers about like where we are in B2B marketing today and what's changing and, 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 and what's coming. Explain from your point of view why it's such a good time to be in B2B marketing right now. Gosh, there's lots of reasons, but I'll try and be succinct, Nathan. Um, I think first off, you know, we speak to lots of other agencies all the time. You know, some of our competitors, we're very collaborative as, as a group of people. First off, you know, COVID, the last three years, you know, we've definitely seen that in, in, the, in the B2B space as an agency, it didn't really touch us at a time when, you know, it was really rough for, for consumer brands, consumer agencies for obvious reasons of, you know, just just um, people tightening the purse strings and having to watch their spend. You know, the the B two B market there was a bit of a slow, but 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 ultimately it's affected by uh, slightly different forces. You know, that will be tested again, I think, in the coming year or so, as as we expect a bit of a headwind. You know, as the as the economy slows down. But um, I think commercially, uh, I, I feel very fortunate that we're in the B two B space um, for a start. Uh, I think creatively. Um, lots of B two C focused brands who have who have B two B propositions are, are really waking up to the fact that there's huge op- opportunity there. So you know that's part of the reason um, why we joined uh, Publicist Group is, or rather, why Publicist uh, Group wanted a, a you know a B two B agency to 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 supercharge its it, its proposition was because lots of the consumer focused clients, amazing clients that Publicist have. Um, want to grow their B two B revenues and their and their propositions. So, um, I, I think there's there's a huge opportunity there. We're going to we're going to see massive growth. Um, create creatively, um, we see brands, our clients, wanting to be much more aspirational with with their programs because you know they really get much more so than a few years ago. How important it is to take risks and and differentiate. Um, you know, there's big movement around B2B self-service. I think there's a there's a statistic around there's going to be more money spent on Amazon, you know, from from B2B purchases than there is from B2C purchases in in 2025, something like that, which is just mind blowing. You know, I, I must I must press click to buy on Amazon like 15 times a week <laughs> as a consumer. So that's a lot of money being 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 spent. Um, and and also, I think you know both. Both us and our competitors, you know, we we have an in, an inc- an inclusion kind of a training uh, and development program that we've jointly created with with some of our competitors. Um, probably shouldn't do this, but I will name them. You know, um, we work with the Croc uh, Marketing Practice, Harvard, and Transmission, 
where we collectively have um, speakers come in on a monthly basis pretty much and talk about diversity and inclusion, you know, sports people and people from outside of the marketing sector to talk about creativity uh, or, or, or sustainability in creative production. And we work together for that. And, and um, I feel like there's a, there's a real sense of kind of collective purpose in, in the B2B space. I, I really do. So there's lots going on in B2B marketing to shout about. It's a really exciting time. Let's talk about Publicis Group. Um, as you said, that you were recently acquired by Publicis in March of 2021. Just an incredible agency, incredible group. They've got a ton of legendary agencies in inside like Leo Burnett and Satsu and Satri, et cetera. Just, just go down the list. What's it like being part of the group? That's a big question, Nathan. Wow, where do I start? We had high expectations because, you know, there's global agencies and then there's publicists. You know, everybody respects publicists without exception. So we had high expectations and and honestly, they've been surpassed. Um, the people without without exception are amazing. You know, I'd, I'd never worked previously in, in a in a, an organisation beyond 100, 100 people. And now, you know, there's tens of thousands of us. Um, but... The, the, the cultures the culture's great it's the perfect balance of of um, really fostering fostering an entrepreneurial spirit amongst the agencies themselves which is really exciting for us because we've always been on entrepreneurial um but but equally a, 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 a real feel of a, of a common goal and a common purpose I think you know we work across, we work with some of the great brands that you mentioned um already the likes of um Sarchi's, Leo's, anything and others on shared accounts where there's a where there's a a, a real concerted approach to clients where there might be a few agencies working on it, but the client never feels that. It's just one publicist. And to see how they do that, because I know from speaking to other agency owners that even standalone independent agencies struggle to give to give the client a cohesive experience across different disciplines. And publicist does it really well. So we've been We've been delighted. I personally have been delighted by the experience of, of joining a big agency. It's given us so much, compared to having been in indie previously, so much access to incredible resources as well in terms of, you know, mentoring and training and, and coaching. Some of the programs they have are just way beyond what we would have ever been able to afford or even devise as, as an independent um, agency. And, and our, our team really appreciates that. So there's so many uh, advantages in doing it and honestly I can't think of ever drawback we've, we've been part of the group now what 15 16 months and it's been great I would recommend it to anyone and you know we weren't considering doing it un until you know we got an inbound request via John who I mentioned earlier John Farrell who is ex-publicist actually and when we met them we just felt a real great fit in, in terms of chemistry and that's the most important thing you know common goals common objectives which was so important to us because we weren't looking to become part of a, a bigger group but it's been a great experience so far well said and and obviously not to mention also access to just amazing talent i would say access to their awesome client base i'm sure they've got some incredible clients that uh, you're able to kind of work on and, and collaborate with what does this say about the role of marketing today at the board level um, and the importance of marketing at some of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a very inconsistent picture. You know, we work with some some clients, and um, they are really focused on short on short term demand generation with uh, with with their marketing. You know, um, 
where they've got steep uh, growth targets and uh, you know uh, a very commercial board or investors. Um, whereas in in other in other uh, enterprises, it's all about you know brand and and growing share of voice and and awareness. So I can honestly say it's it's very different across each brand that that we speak to right now. Um, there's the ongoing debate you see, you know, should marketing be short term or long term focus? And there's no real right answer. And it's a very it's a very diverse picture. It depends. <laughs> it, it depends, basically. It really depends. You know, you can make some assumptions about going into a brand where you just assume that they're really strong on long term brand building because they have this incredible brand that you respect and you make assumptions and actually you find out that, gosh, they're targeted on quarterly lead generation. You know, who knew? So I try to make as few assumptions as possible before going and meeting, you know, um, new clients or, or potential clients. Final question about publicists, because I'm just fascinated about how, how it came about. Mm. What was your decision-making process when the email came in, when the inbound uh, inquiry came in from from John? What was your decision-making process to decide whether or not to to do it, whether or not it was the right fit for you? How did you make that decision? Yeah, um, there were lots of factors. I think one great thing was we felt very comfortable to meet them and then and then say, do you know what, we're going to keep going it on our own because we'd, you know, base again based on 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 advice from John. You know, the main thing, which is where we were at, was we were running a business that we were, we were really proud of had a great culture really good clients um you know we were at, we were at a size that we were very comfortable with we were running profitably we, we were winning awards so we went into it you know happy to have a happy to have a chat and and had a kind of really clear view of if we're going to do this we've got we you know it really needs to be right for us um so I, i'd say the, the things that we found immediately is um great chemistry you know when when uh, Annette, joe and, and graham first came in to, to see uh, myself, Billy, and John. We had a great chat. There was there was lots of 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 laughs and and banter, and you know they had a similar vision as as we did in terms of what great B two B marketing looked like. Um, their their objectives for for publicist groups B two B proposition was was much much more than just commercial growth. It was about giving clients a different perspective, giving them you know award winning campaigns, which is which is what what we're about as well and they also respected and and could empathize with the fact that we really treasured the octopus brand and just wanted to ensure that our transition into the group um was was one that we all agreed on in terms of um you know just just how we became part of it and so they ticked all those boxes uh, and beyond but those are those are some of the the big things really it all started with fundamentally liking the people because if if that doesn't if that doesn't work you know it, it, it you just shouldn't do it Speaking about people, I'm I'm just fascinated to know what your process is or how it's been refined over the years about finding and keeping the right people in the agency that are able to get the agency to where it needs to be strategically. Like, what's your process for finding great people? What's your process for keeping them in the business? Just talk around that for a moment. I'll answer your last question first because it's much easier to answer. Um, we keep people in Cheating. the business. Yes, yeah, yeah, sorry, Nathan. Yeah, um, I've, I've played nicely for most of this chat. Come on, be fair. Uh, um, it, it's much easier to keep uh, great people, um, you know, because we, we we we're really clear on what creates a great a great culture, and that's just and that's just you know really encouraging people to be them be themselves. 
um, you, you know, being as informal as you can be, just just fostering having fun in the workplace and 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 really, you know, demonstrating the types of behaviours that you want by being present, being around, and and you know, um, not being not not being hierarchical, and you know, lots of people. Um, really say that very quickly when they join Octopus, they feel part of the team, they feel they feel included and they feel welcome and it feels like a kind of home from home. So, um, you know, at, at, at the most basic level, it's about driving a great a great culture, um, you know, having a strong moral compass, all, all that kind of, of, of good stuff. Of course, there needs to be strong training in there and coaching and mentoring as part of that, but that's kind of derivative of being really focused on, on culture. So we've, we've done that through all the 20 plus years that we've been around and that's how we keep um, great people. And we've got re- a really good retention rates for, for staff at all levels. Um, in terms of finding great people, that's, that's, a, that's another thing, you know, hen's teeth uh, come, comes to mind with, with lots of role, you know, roles. You know, it can be really hard fi- finding great people. I think particularly um, over the last couple of years, um, People haven't wanted to move because of uncertainty in the in the economy. Um, you, you know, actually finding those people themselves using tools like LinkedIn or, or whatever. We the answer is we don't have a methodology. We find people by sometimes we find them direct and they approach us. Sometimes our talent team uses LinkedIn to find them. Sometimes we have we have a great roster of of, of, of recruitment agencies. Just a, a small group who really know their stuff. And and what we what we have found has helped is that there are specialist recruitment agencies who specialise in say digital skills or creative skills or client services skills. There's a, there's a few out there, but we've managed to connect into them, and we have disproportionate success rates with them. So it, it's still really really hard, but it's an ongoing focus for us. And then, as far as your own leadership or decision making is concerned, I, I mean, you as a as a leader, you have to be so conscious about the the number of decisions that you make that are right, right, and that are aligned to where you want to be as as a business. So, how do you make sure that you are constantly making the right decisions and that you're leading the organization in the right way? What's your framework for thinking about? I guess you, the percentage of decisions that you make that are actually correct and, and right and, and that are going in the right direction? That's a really good question. That, a really good question. Um, you know, a, a practice that, that we created, uh, that we set up at the beginning of COVID was to move to weekly board meetings. Previously, we'd had monthly board meetings. And, and um, because because things were changing so quickly, um, we uh, we started meeting weekly, and, we, and we've we've kept that practice up because we just found it worked. You know, just just an hour a week, Wednesday mornings, um, and, and so we find that um, nothing gets away from us. So you know, a lot of the time, big decisions are have to be made because you're in a situation that you don't necessarily um, want to be in. Um, you know, you need to you need to like fix a big problem or 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 chase an opportunity that's that's got away from you in terms of you know a market segment or whatever. Actually, by looking at decisions on more of a micro rather than macro basis with this kind of uh, weekly cadence, it just means that you're uh, you know I mentioned course correcting earlier on, making minor adjustments, and it means actually interestingly that you don't need to make quite as big decisions because you're on top of it. You've got a really strong sense of the pulse of the business across you know culture and and clients and new business and brand and everything that's been um a game changer for us uh actually 
Mm. Really, really fascinating. Um, I want to end the this segment of the show by by just talking about what you've learned specifically about business building and leadership and growth of an agency over your 20-year time period that in the beginning, or maybe even a few years ago, you were just absolutely no good at at all. What have been the biggest growth areas for you personally over this journey? Another great question, aka tough question, Nathan. God, you don't go easy on us, do you? <laughs> uh, um, nope. Um, I, th- I think the, the biggest one is not to be so hard on myself. You know, what, what, I've, what I've always done in my career is kind of forget the successes and move on from the successes really quickly, but then linger too much on where we, where I personally didn't maybe get the result that quite that I I wanted, and you know whilst it whilst it creates generally you know uh, high high performing um, traits, you know it, it often that's based on a on a position of potentially negativity or anxiety or you know lack of self confidence and 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 I think the one thing I've I've learned is um, just just to um, savor and remember and keep a note of the stuff that went well and just just be a bit kind of gentler on myself for when it doesn't because you know running an agency is you deal with you deal with kind of mini setbacks or failures on almost a daily weekly basis every day every day there's (laughs) generally no big cataclysmic events when you're like oh my god why why didn't i see that coming so you've got you've got to just let it kind of you've got to acknowledge it of course because i definitely work i definitely learn most effectively when i get something not quite right it sticks with me um but you can't let it linger too much and that's what i would say i've learned it's partly a confidence thing it's partly an age thing but but that's that's the big thing i've learned Mm, really interesting okay we're going to jump into our favorite questions now these are the questions that i ask all of my guests as i'm sure you know so i'm going to ask you a few of these and almost like who is Peter Hendrick? Who's the person behind the brand sort of questions? Um, I'm going to ask a few of them at random. Start with my favorite one, though. Tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from that experience. I'm, re- I'm really sorry not to give you a massive dramatic event here, um, no. Nathan, but uh, I generally find that I'm having like mini failures uh, on, on, on a daily basis, just small ones, you know, nothing to, nothing to write home about. Um, but you, you know, you know, this, this, this high cadence that I talked about earlier of, you know, reviewing how things are going, not, not just as a business with the weekly board meetings, but personally on a, on a daily basis means that you're noticing things and the failures and you're acknowledging them. You're not being too, too hard on yourself. Um, but it just means that you generally don't walk blind into massive, I was about to swear there, but massive mistakes. So uh, uh, generally, genuinely, uh, I don't want to sound arrogant here, but there haven't been m- many massive, massive faux pas, I'll be honest, but like literally thousands of many mistakes. But loads of them, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some, of, some, some of them you've probably made on this podcast. and. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Don't say As that. We've been speaking. Don't, don't say that. I mean, nothing of the scale of you know Elon Musk throwing a brick through his supposedly you know bulletproof right. car and it smashing through the window. Right. Nothing on that or, level. Or, or um, smoking weed on, on on Joe Rogan or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love that podcast. I love that podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Not as good as ours, though, of course. No, 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 no way. No way. It's all right. Exactly. Uh, Tell what's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your background. Um, I, I, um, I'm a very, I'm an elite squash, uh, squash player or, or or rather was, yeah, well, 
national level. But that's fairly elite, isn't wow. it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, elite. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Good. I mean, if I played it too much these days with my kitten ankles, you know, I would I would tear several ligaments. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at squash and, oh. and racket sports in general. I don't like to shout about it. I've got a couple of trophies on the on the shelf, but not within view of the camera. Yeah, I was going to say when you turn the camera around, I, I could see them, but uh, but they they're quite cleverly out of out of shot now. Yeah, um, yeah. So is that what you do to keep mentally and physically fit at the moment? Do you still play a lot of racket sports? I, I um I've, I've actually rather than play sports where I have to dodge left and right and you know sprint forward, I find cycling and and jogging are a bit gentler, you know, on the joints, on the knees, uh, on, yep. on 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 the kitten ankles. So I, I really enjoy cycling. Have have done all my life. Um, and running as well. I've, I've started to do a bit more yoga, trying to get a bit more flexible. You know, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm nearly I'm nearly 48 now, Nathan. You know, I, I need to I need to be able to touch my toes still, which I can <laughs> just for the record. Um, but yeah, yoga's great. Also, in this busy agency life, it's it's great for me mentally. I, I just generally find hard exercise really distracts me from anything that's that's on my brain, and you know, all the endorphins is exactly what I like. I have been told to get into yoga for so many years by so many different people. I just find it so boring. <laughs> I really struggle. I really struggle with yoga. Do like, you really? What tip can you give me? Yeah, I really do. Every time I try it, I'm like, I stick with it for two days. And then after the third day, I'm like, huh, let me just go and like run or punch a bag or something or yeah. do something physical. My, my, I, just, I can't. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Nathan, um, yoga is physical if you're doing it the right way trust me really? um i think my tip for you it's at, do you do it at home yeah right well the, here's the tip pay 50 quid a month join a yoga center have other people around you okay it's just the atmosphere you'll it, it's much more interesting um you'll it'll be a different experience for it uh, uh, give it a go give it a go okay all right good tip okay and my final question pete what do you know about growing a b2b agency today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career Get a non-exec director as soon as you can. No. Get a non-exec director. Go easy on yourself. Focus on culture. And don't worry about, you know, agency reputation too much about do, how do we do more outbound and all that kind of stuff. If you create great culture, you'll get great people. If you do, those people will do great work for clients. They will tell their network, you know, you ask for one thing, they're giving you about three. Um, <laughs> but, but there you go. But they're all really good things. I really appreciate that. Pete, thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. We have been speaking with Pete Hendrick. He's currently the Managing Director at Octopus Group, now part of Publicis. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over 175 such conversations we've had now with world-class leaders in the agency land. Please be sure to follow us on LinkedIn for more great conversations like this. We would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters. Tyler Barnum is our booker. Christoph Waszczek is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Deal Masters. You are listening to Agency Deal Masters, brought to you by Bridge, the growth-focused podcast agency.